When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Memory Lane Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. The greatest run ever by a Penn State men's basketball team in the NCAA tournament to the Sweet 16 in 2001 was led by Joe Crispin, one of the greatest shooters you will ever see. He never saw a shot he didn't like, right, Joe? I mean, you're pulling up. You've got in the gym range, right? Never, never. And, uh... I should have made more, but I wasn't shy. You know what? We're talking with Joe because Penn State, I'm recording this on Thursday night. Penn State should be all set, locked up after the win over Illinois in the Big Ten tournament uh, with an NCAA bid. Joe, Penn State has not been to the NCAA tournament very many times, only nine times ever, and just five times since 1965. So how awesome is it that Penn State looks like they're going to be going back to the tournament? Well, I'm excited for them. I've enjoyed watching them play. Um, they spread you out. They're fighters. They compete. Um, so, and, you know, they, they've they kind of overcome a lot even in the last week and a half. Um, I actually shared one of those memories of a bad senior day with, with Coach Shrews and Coach Fisher um, because it was a similar situation of blowing a lead and feeling like, geez, there's a lot of pressure here. And to see them come together, win three in a row, and uh, hopefully get in. They're, they're a team that can make some noise, so I've enjoyed watching them. All right, let's go back to the tremendous 2000-2001 season that you guys had. That's what we do. We we look at the great memories. You guys start off 9-1. and one. You're on a roll, man. That's a good team. You know you got a good team. What, what's going on with your 9-1 and one start that year? Yeah, we had a lot of confidence. I mean, we had – confident people to begin with. Um, and then we had, you know, three seniors in the starting lineup. Tyler was a junior and then my brother never lacked for confidence either. So um, we thought we were a good team and, you know, we were, I think the thing that I look back on um, was not only just a good start, uh, which we thought could have even been better. Um, but when you went to the Big Ten schedule, I mean, now that I look at the Big Ten schedule now, I, I understand why it was such a grind because we weren't a deep team. Um, so, you know, we hit some snares there in the Big Ten season, but the, the start was the key for us to, you know, have, have a at-large opportunity later on in the year. So you get, you get some good non-conference wins and you get a good start. You actually beat Pitt that year. Uh, you got to win over – a Princeton team that year at Madison Square Garden. You're not, you're nine and one. Then you lose your Big Ten opener to Michigan State by 25 points and then lose to Iowa. And, you know, you had some ups and downs the rest of that regular season. But how confident did everybody remain, even if you're losing some Big Ten games, that you still had a good team that could beat anybody on any given night? 
Well, yeah, we always believed that. I mean, I think we understood what we were working towards. Um, I think we understood it wasn't like there was all this bracketology back then either. So it was much more one game at a time. We're just trying to win games, grind through a Big Ten season. Um, I think we understood at the end of the year, um, you know, senior day, Ohio State, we knew like we needed to win this game. I think we dropped a bad one at Northwestern in a real close game. We need to win this one. If we win this one, we're going to put ourselves in a good position to be in the tournament, and we blew a 20-point lead. Um, so I, I remember that distinctly because my wife will tell you it's probably the lowest she's ever seen me in basketball. Um, and I think it was because I was really uh, intent to say the least, on getting to the NSA tournament. So let me stop you. This is March 3rd, 2001. You lose to Ohio State 93-87 to at the Jordan Center. You finish 17-10 and 10 and 7-9 and nine in the Big Ten. Did you think you were going to the NCAA tournament on, after, that, after that game? No. Um, simply no. And, you know, we ended up going to Iowa and winning a really, really good game. Um, you know, the story I tell, and I shared this with, with the coaches is, uh, I think you shared it with the team is that we really came together in a special way after that Ohio state loss. Um, we had some heart to hearts and it wasn't pretty after that loss to say the least. Um, and we came together, we got a great win at Iowa uh, then we get a buzzer beater in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. And then we end up with uh, really the best win I ever had uh, as a college basketball player beating Michigan State uh, at, you know, the Big Ten tournament. And, you know, that doesn't happen. I don't think that happens. I just don't think that happens if you don't have you don't feel like you have to win it. Right. We felt like we were playing for our postseason lives in that game. Desperation and, back back against the wall. Yeah. And we were better with our backs against the wall. Uh, I always was. And um, I think uh, that really set us up for tournament play. So I, I contend that if we hadn't blown that lead, I, yeah, we might have gotten to the tournament, but we wouldn't have been as prepared for the tournament and uh, probably been able to make that Sweet 16 run. So let me go back again. Your first Big Ten game that year is Michigan State at home. You lose by 25. You go to East Lansing later on in the year to Michigan State, and you lose by 19. Uh, so what uh, – let's see, maybe maybe I had that reversed. Maybe the number – yeah, the first game was at, at, at East Lansing. The second game was at the Jordan Center. So what led you to believe that you could beat Michigan State in the, in the Big Ten tournament? Well, one, we actually – we were actually up, I think, at halftime of that Michigan State game at Michigan State. I tell that story to my team all the time because they completely demolished us in the second half. It felt like a tidal wave of 19,000 people. And I've, I've had some experiences like that, but that was the most powerful experience of uh, we can't win today that I've ever had in my life. Um, it, they just beat us by like 30, I think, in the second half. It was like a 40-point turnaround at one point. Um but we were the kind of team that was like, we don't even know how we're going to do it. We don't know. We're just going to do it. We don't, I, you know, we were, we were an interesting band of characters, um, but we did believe in ourselves. We believed that we could win. Um, keep it close. Let's hit some tough shots at the end and you can win. And that's exactly how the game played itself out. 
Um, it had a way slower tempo than we were used to. Usually we weren't good in those games. Um, but we were the kind of team that just, we were better with our backs against the wall, something to prove. Nobody thinks we can do it. Um, and sure enough, that's how it worked out. What a great parallel because this year's Penn State team was five and nine in the Big Ten a few weeks ago after uh, some stumbles. They come back, they roar, they win six of their next seven with their backs against the wall. As you watch this team and get to be around the players at least a little bit, and Coach Shrewsbury, do you see a similarity in the way that they have um, played with their backs against the wall to what you guys did in 01? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have an edge and there's a sense of, you know, just not just even urgency, but desperation. Um, this, we need this. Um, and I think, you know, they dropped some tough, close games earlier in the year uh, that you're like, mm, that was, that one's going to hurt you. Um, but I look at the team, you know, now as a coach, you know, there's plenty of new guys. You don't, you can't just put a team in a microwave, right? A team has to suffer together in order to be great. And they did go through some suffering. They persevered. And here they are playing their best basketball at the end of the year. And that's, that's just always how it works. And sometimes teams are able to suffer season to season and improve. Uh, but when you bring in a good bit of new faces, um, you got to suffer together to figure out how to win these kind of games. And, and fortunately, they have. Here's what's great. You, you beat Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament, and then you play Iowa, and you lose to Iowa by 20 in the Big Ten tournament. So at that point, you, you'd mentioned after the Ohio State regular season finale, you didn't think you would get into the tournament. But after winning a couple in the Big Ten tournament, how confident were you guys that you were going to get into the tournament at that point, or, or maybe not? We were very – after the Michigan State game, um, I think we lost a little bit of our edge. Uh, and like, I, cause I think everyone was like, you're in, you're in, you're in. I'm like, I was the kind of person to go, let's make sure. Um, I do think we were out of gas the next day. Uh, we were, I mean, I, how these guys played three, four days in a row is crazy. Um, because I, I think we made the semifinals three years in a row. Um, I think, uh, no, it was, it was three out of my four years, maybe. And I was exhausted on day three. I mean, I was done. Um, so I think I played half decent, but we were, we were fatigued and just didn't have the juice that day, but we felt like we were in, seemed like we, people thought we were in. And, and fortunately, um, you know, we still, still were a little bit nervous on that, on that selection Sunday, I think. So what's selection Sunday like? Because again, I, just to remind everybody, there was not this level of bracketology back in 2001. Right now, I don't, you're a college coach. I don't know how much you follow the bracket. I mean, bracketology is updated every single day by Joe Lunardi and some others. You can see got, teams are moving one or two or three. We didn't have this necessarily in 01. So as you enter Selection Sunday in 01, what, what, what did the team do? Where did, where did you gather? How did you watch the selection show? Well, I, I, I joke that there's more – there's more bracketology for division three than there was back then for division one. Um, you know, we got some guys that, that, that get it right on the nose, but um, I think we were at the Jordan center, I believe um, because we were back, back in state college. My brother's better than, well, I, I don't remember much, 
Um, I do re- recall maybe seeing some video. I think we were in the Jordan Center. And, uh, you know, when we got in, uh, we looked at the pairing and, and the way we were wired, we were automatically looking to, oh, yeah, let's go get UNC. Um, we, we were, it wasn't like we were sleeping on Providence, but we were thinking, oh, here we come. We're getting these guys. You get Providence in the first round. That, by the way, you're a seven seed. And it's interesting because you finished 19 and 11 with a seven and nine record in the Big Ten during the regular season. You were a seven seed. So not only are you in the tournament, were you a little surprised that you got that good of a seed? Well, I think everyone was in agreement that year just how strong the Big Ten was. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, one of my players was asking me about that today and and said who was good. And I just started reeling off names and it was like everybody um, because it was a really, really strong year. You know, Illinois was a top five team and Michigan State was a top five team and Indiana was no joke and Ohio State was no joke. It was just one after the other. Um, Wisconsin had been in the final four the year before. So um, that was a, that was definitely due to, um, you know, the strength of the big 10, but also it, uh, Kentucky ended up playing well. So they started slow. We beat them, others beat them, but they finished the season very well. So I think they were a higher seed and that also turned out to be a really good win. Hofstra, th- I think was in the tournament that year. So, um, you know, we, we didn't really pay attention to much of that. Uh, the only thing we paid attention to was the fact that um, most people were picking Providence as this uh, upset. And and who knows if most people, it could have been one and we were going to act like it was most. Right. Yeah. That's how, yeah. Everybody's picking I, against Alabama or Georgia in football, right? Nobody thought yes. they could win. Yeah. Everybody thought yes. they could win. Right. That's right. So, that's right. So you play Providence in the first round. No, you know, not to overlook that game because we're going to spend a good bit of time on North Carolina, but. What was the NCAA tournament experience like playing against Providence in the first round? Well, I, the one the one story I tell often with Providence is, um, you know, uh, their point guard John Lenahan was just one of the greatest defenders I've ever faced in my life, and you know, I was let's just say I, was, I didn't lack for confidence, um, and our coaches were hyping him up as the greatest defender they've ever seen and disruptive and all this other stuff. <laughs> And me and my, and I've told John this story, actually. I just said, yeah, give me a break, guys. Like, I face the best defender every single night. I'm the top on the scouting report. I lead the Big Ten in scoring. Knock it off with this nonsense. I'll light him up like I light everybody else up. This is how I talk. And, and Christian Appleman and Swenson are like, no, I'm telling you, this guy's different. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's different. So what? I'm different. Like, that's, uh, get get out of my face. So sure enough, by the first TV timeout, I turned to Titus Ivory and I go, you're the point guard tonight. I ain't messing with this guy. Um, he was an incredible defender. I ran him all over the court. Fortunately, I was in really good shape too. And he, he wore down and we got some points and we made a good run. John played well. All the guys played well. Um, that was a, It was a good team. It was a real good team. They had multiple pros that I saw got over the years and John was one of them. Um, but I always love, I actually introduced John to my son the one time. I said, yo, this is the best defender I've ever seen. You know, he just laughed. Uh, <laughs> you didn't lack for confidence. If you're going to score 20 a game and be unconscious as a shooter, how much is confidence? Just, just knowing that you can do it. How much is that a factor? Yeah, I think I, I, you know, over the years, I think I was more confident. Actually, I, I wish I had been more confident in my college years and early career. I, I was very confident, but, um, 
you know, I think even the the mental battle of just constantly pushing to be better was not my specialty, but I did certainly have enough confidence to put myself on the line and fail and, and keep going. And I think it's, that's often something I tell people uh, when it comes to shooting or um, teaching kids how to be great players, it's more um, the, the tolerance for failure. That's actually one of the most important things. And uh, fortunately for me, I had a pretty high tolerance. All right, you get Carolina in the second round. They had been ranked number one that year. Um, you're Penn State. You guys are confident. You got off to a good start. You got a veteran team. Do you think that North Carolina knew what they were getting in you? No, they definitely didn't. I actually talked to uh, Joe Forte about it years later. We were in Siena together for preseason, and uh, he said, number one, they were – they weren't at their best in terms of just chemistry and other right. stuff going on. And, and two was like, you guys were different. And, you know, the two things I say about that, um, one is we could sense that um, our guys somehow, like we just knew you don't have it. Like you look like you have it, but you don't have it. Um, and I don't know how to put my finger on that, but like we did, whether it was just, you know, I remember even before the game, the two teams are coming out of the same tunnel and and they're hooting and hollering and our guys just hooting and hollering right back. And that wasn't my style, but um, it was like, we're, we're coming at you. Um, but the other thing about that matchup was um, we were, our team would have played better in the ACC. Um, we weren't a great Big Ten team. Uh, we were three guards. We were shooting a lot of threes. We played with tempo small bigs, but tough, um, you know, ACC teams weren't nearly as physical as the big 10. Um, we would have fit better in the SEC or the ACC or the PAC 10 at the time. So when the game got flowing, um, you know, I didn't even shoot particularly well. Uh, but for us, there was a, there was a flow to the game that I just always kind of knew, like, if you're going to flow like this with us, we, we can, we can score with you. We can go, we're going to hit a couple runs. Um, and just early on, like we were coming down, we were playing quickly, we were shooting quickly. You could just sense it. And we were down early, but it didn't matter. Like we were, the game was flowing the way we wanted. Um, and sure enough, you know, as the game went on, you could just tell we were more and more comfortable and they got more and more tight. You scored 82 points, 182 to 74. You also got them on the second day, uh, the second round. So you play March 16th and you play March 18th. Was there a benefit to you playing them on one day rest to where they maybe they weren't as prepared and, and you guys were just playing on emotion and energy? Did that, did that come into play at all with, with getting them in the second round? Yeah, I think that can help. Yeah, I think that can help. I mean, uh, but, you know, preparation, a day to prepare is, is usually enough. Um, your practice time wasn't as much usually during the NSA tournament back then. Um, but in terms of, uh, yeah, just the, the limited preparation, but it's also, we're easy to overlook. I mean, you can look at us in warmups and just go, eh, you know, these guys. Um, and I'm sure that was a part of it. Uh, and like I said, you know, the Carolina guys, they just didn't have great chemistry that year. I mean, Joe admitted that and and uh, Chris Lang, I played against in Turkey, same thing. Um, but 
you look back on that game and it's a good example. I mean, I think about the Penn State game today, you, you know, like you got guards out there, you got perimeter oriented players and they were a big team. Uh, they had some matchup problems. Um, so there was some big plays. They ran a motion offense that we just switched over and over and over and, and kind of zoned up and amoeba, which we were really, really good at. Um, and, you know, a couple other guys step up, hit some big shots. You know, Brandon Watkins off the bench was big. Tyler hit a couple big shots. Um, Titus had a great game. So, you know, John had his own little run. So, you know, when the game was flowing like that, that's where we were at our best. Um, So, like I said, you just kind of knew we're going to make a run here and we're going to make you nervous about playing us this way. years it's the only Penn State team kind of in the modern era there was there was a final four run in the 50s but during the modern era it's the only Penn State team to make the sweet 16 um how hopefully that'll change here in a couple weeks that'd be that'd be great uh hopefully it, it would become more normal correct yeah, it'd be great <laughs> but how proud are you of that accomplishment you guys I mean it's not a traditional basketball power um your your team is considered the best Penn State basketball team, really, of the modern NCAA tournament era. How proudly and fondly do you look back on that? Uh, much more so now. Um, I was very uh, – I'm wired probably to be quite discontent. Um, so I was mad that we didn't go to the Final Four or compete for a national title. I mean, we had it set up. We'd lose the Temple, and, you know, we thought, well, we already just beat Michigan State. Let's go face them again. I mean, we – that's just the way I was wired and and – you know, that's part of the reason why when it was all done, I'm like, oh, that's no, we were supposed to go further. Um, but as I've gotten older and, and wiser and and then even coaching now, um, looking at just even the difficulty of my own team getting in the Sweet 16 and Division 3, like it's it's a good accomplishment. You don't realize how difficult it is at such a high level for that to happen. So as the years have gone on and you get to weekend two and you see all these top teams playing, um, it probably took me, you know, because I was overseas for many years and I would lightly follow the tournament. But until I was back home a dozen, 13, 14 years later, and I'm really immersed in the tournament like everyone else, I start. I remember turning and my wife gone, oh, wow, that was pretty good, huh? <laughs> and she said, yeah, I don't think you understand how good it was um, because I was just mad that we weren't going to the Final Four. That's how I'm wired. So um, I think the years have made me appreciate uh, what a good story it was. Yeah. For that team, to, for Penn State to get to the Sweet 16, again, it has not happened any other time in the modern era. But there was the Temple game. These years later, do you feel like you were better than Temple and that was the game that got away from you? Yeah, I don't know if we were better um, because they really were a tough matchup. I, the NCAA tournament is matchups, right? And we had beaten them earlier that year. Uh, I think one of their guys was out that game and they had two, two they had um, two guys, Hawkins and um, the other one who just played tremendous. Like they were low on the scouting report. They had great games. Um, John and Tyler were kind of under the weather. You know, they, they, they weren't a hundred percent. We needed to just, I probably should have shot a dozen more threes. Frankly, I look back on that game. I think it was like four for 12. And, you know, back then that was a lot of threes. I'm like, 
I'm looking at the film. Like I should have shot 25 of them. Like you're open, shoot it. Like it's a good shot. So you look back on that and think um, it got away in the sense of that was a beatable team for us. It was a good team, but it was a beatable team. But in another respect, if two of your starters aren't at a hundred percent and you're playing against a, a unique matchup zone that you've only seen one time that year. I mean, that's always an advantage, right. Of, of being a team that's different and temple played, you know, a good defense that day and they're disruptive and, you know, we weren't at our best. What does it mean to you to be considered one of the greatest Penn state basketball players of all time? Oh, it means a lot. I mean, I, I really love Penn state. Um, you know, I called it home. I still call it home. And, you know, I, when I came into Penn State as an 18-year-old, you know, I, maybe that's why I was discontent. I, I did dream of those things. Uh, that was my goal, to be a great player there and to win and to, to create some basketball enthusiasm. So, um, you know, fortunately for, for me and for our team, uh, I, I, I view it as a gift that was given. I got to play every single game of my college career. I got plenty of opportunities to, to shoot and have fun and play with great guys. And um, fortunately I was able to play in the NSA tournament and do something that, that hadn't been done and hasn't been done since. And I certainly hope is done soon. You played in the NBA. You had a great career overseas. I've talked to you about this before. You went 10 for 10 for third from three, one time in a game overseas. Did you not? Yep. I've seen yep. the video. It's pretty amazing. That there's video out there, but where's that rank in uh, your all-time great accomplishments? Well, I, I enjoyed my overseas career. That that season in Italy, actually, with Brindisi, was a year we won the, the title to go up to the first division. Um, that was one of my most enjoyable seasons overseas, and uh, that game in in particular is one that uh, I still have Italian friends who talk about. So. Uh, that, that has stuck around and it was actually a game. I wasn't even feeling it. I was like, I was a little injured. I'm like, I'm just going to go out here and have fun. And sure enough, that's what happens. That's, that's usually how it works, right? I've said this about you. I've said this about Mike Isolino. I don't know how much, you know, Mike, but I do know Mike though. Yes. If you guys would have just played 20, 25 years later. All right. Joe Crispin, NBA 2020, 2021. What's Joe Crispin? What what's Joe Crispin's numbers in the NBA if you, if you were playing right now with the way they shoot threes? Well, my, actually, my my argument is a little more nuanced. I mean, one, I'd have to be better in today's NBA because now they got seven footers who switch out on you, and you got to take them one on one. My argument's simpler. It's just if my my darn coaches would have just let me shoot, I would have made them some money. Um, I was wide open. I mean, back then, I. I I try to, my players always ask and, and people always ask that question. And I said, listen, like I was ahead of the curve. And if somebody had just been smart enough to let me shoot, I literally would have, I had the skill set uh, to be a really difficult guard at that time because they always played big. They played in drop coverage and drop coverage on the ball screen was a joke to me. I mean, I just shot threes all day. So when I tell people, my players often ask questions, I just say, it's hard to understand, but like, Scoring in the NBA was the easiest place I ever had to score. It was easier than high school. I don't know how to explain that. Like it was so easy because no one was equipped to guard the three off the dribble. And that's what I did best. So for me, it was more like, you know, I played for Scott Brooks for three games in the ABA. If, if only he was in the NBA at the time, I, I think I would have been better. 
And Joe, I, I, when I reached out to you, it's late Thursday night, folks. Penn State just finished playing a couple hours ago. I didn't even realize you had a Sweet 16 game tomorrow. I can't believe you agreed to do this late at night on a Thursday. But your, your school, Rowan, you're having a tremendous year. You're in the Division Three Sweet 16 tomorrow. But this is for Friday. This won't even air till Saturday. So, folks, go check out how they did Friday night. But you're in the Sweet yeah, 16. Yeah, hopefully we're still playing. You got a great team. How good? How good is your team out there? We got a great team. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're fun. It's a good group of guys. We can score. We we get up and down. And you know, when you reach this round of play, uh, especially at our level, anybody can win. You could win. You could go to the finals. You can win the whole nas- national title, or you could lose tomorrow. That's that's kind of where we're at. And uh, we'll have a good game against Oshkosh, who won the, the national title four years ago uh, here at Mountain Union. And you know, it's one game at a time. And for our kids, this was the next step as a program was winning a weekend, getting to this point. Um, I think this group has the capability to keep going, but you know, that's why you play the games and see what the matchup looks like. And uh, hopefully we, we keep it going. What, one last thing for you on the coaching. What is, what do you enjoy most about coaching? You're an intense player. You can put up a lot of points. Sometimes it doesn't translate for former players because guys don't work as hard as them or, they're just not as naturally gifted as you or what have you. Well, what's it like for you to coach guys? I enjoy it. I think, you know, I, I don't really struggle with, um, they don't work as hard as me. I, I don't know who did. I mean, I was cr- pretty crazy. I don't wish that on anybody, but um, I got great kids. And I like the, the aspect of coaching I like is just seeing um, players surprise themselves with what they're capable of. Um, I think, you know, I let kids play. We let we let our kids play. We're, we play a fun style of ball. That's that's just what my mo is. That's what we do. Um, you know, we score. We're going to be top five in the country. We're going to try to put up points and attack quickly. And what you get with that, and I think that's part of the thing, is is kids find out something about themselves and what they're capable of. You know, whether it's hitting two or three threes in a row and transitioning in a two minute span and making their own run and taking people one-on-one and just creating a, a structure that um, gives kids the freedom to find out who they can really be, uh, not just individually, but collectively. Um, and that's where the magic happens. So the way I operate is we try to create that and, you know, I'm going to win most times because I got good talent. We attract good talent and sometimes I'm going to lose, but I'm going to lose letting players play. Well, kids want to play that style, right? I mean, every kid wants to show up and, and shoot and score a lot, right? Yep. They never look at defensive field goal percentage, even though ours is pretty good. Hey, man, best luck. I hope you can keep going and win a national title. That'd be great. I just want to wrap up one more thing about the run to the Sweet 16. Does it still come up much? I mean, do, do your players ask you much about it? Do your family, friends, media people? You might you might hear from some media people here over the next week or so as Penn State gets set to go yeah. to the NCAA tournament. So how much does it come up? How much are you still tied to that 2001 team? It comes up a lot. Um, I think just being, um, you know, I'm still in the Northeast, right? I'm still in PA a lot. I'm still in, um, I'm in the basketball world, right? So I think that's one of the things that hit me because I was always overseas in March and uh, somewhere else. Um, When I came back, here it is 13, 14 years later, 15 years later, now I'm recruiting people. And, you know, these guys are high school coaches who, we're little kids when I was, we were in college. Like, it's like, Oh wow. Yeah. Um, so it comes up a lot cause you're in the basketball world and you realize like, 
oh, wow, there were millions upon millions of people following these games and they remember, right? And they remember not just, you know, my sister was down at North Carolina, the UNC Duke game. You know, my sister was five or six years old when we were, um, we were making that run. Uh, this is my littlest sister, but she worked for Penn. She hosted UNC. They found out she's a Crispin. And, you know, now she's got the connections and she's down at the Duke UNC game. So it comes up all the time, just even in the most random of circumstances. And that's, that's the beauty of the basketball community. It's the beauty of these games is, um, you know, it creates community. And that's ultimately what it's about. Is there anything better than the NCAA tournament, man, in, in all of sports? No, no, it's my favorite. Um, it's it's my favorite. And I uh, now as a coach, if I have a better team, I'm probably going to want a five or three game series. But that's a whole nother matter. That's great stuff, man. I can't thank you enough. Best of luck in the in the uh, Sweet 16 and beyond. And uh, again, I'm, I'm sure you're probably going to be hearing from a lot of people here as Penn State gets set for the NCAA tournament here in the, in the next week or so. But thanks so much for joining me, man. I can't thank you enough, buddy. My pleasure. Thank you, Corey. I appreciate it, Joe.